Hello, my fans, friends. Welcome to the Rich Terring podcast feed, powered by ACAS Plus. Thanks to everyone who's come to see the Can I Have My Ball Back tour so far. It's been going really well. I've got a four-star review in The Standard, four-star review in The Telegraph, who once called me the worst comedy experience of the year, so that's a turnaround. Uh, people have been coming, people have really been enjoying it, and it's getting better and better. The only gigs this week are both in Pocklington, the town I was born in, near York. Uh, there's a couple of tickets left for the evening show and a few more tickets left for the matinee, I think about 4.30. But love to see you there, Yorkshire. Pop along. Check richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour or richardherring.com slash gigs to see if I'm coming near to you. There are tickets left for nearly every show in the tour. I think Norwich has sold out. Uh, and a couple of gigs in London could do with your support as well. Anyway, please listen to the podcast. Do spread the news about the podcast to your friends. Listen as much as you can. Numbers are slightly down, which may affect the future of this podcast. So just leave it playing, even if you're not in the room. Love you. <laughs> now sit back, relax and enjoy whatever it is you're going to listen to. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello, welcome to another Rahalasta Book Club. This week we are looking at and reading Ashes the Admin by Evie King, and I'm joined by Evie King, if that is your real name. <laughs> Hello. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm very good. It is it isn't her real name, but so hopefully I won't call her by her real name <laughs> during the interview. I'll cross it out. So I've, that, I wrote it down, but oh, that's a good start. So uh, I do I do know Evie uh, in real life. Yeah. Uh, but uh, she is well, she works under a pseudonym because what she does is so secret <laughs> that no one must ever never know. <laughs> <laughs> must never know. How are you, Evie? Yeah, really good, thank you. Thanks for having me on. This is amazing. Good. It's my pleasure. I read your book last year and I've reread it uh, and just finished reading it about half an hour ago. Wow. Uh, so I'm very excited. So I'm right, fresh in your mind. right up on it. <laughs> it's pretty fresh in my mind. It's a fantastic book. Now, do you want, why don't you tell us what it is about? Because you'll describe it better than I do. I will try. Um, so it's about my job, which is um, carrying out Section 46, which um, to, to everyone else is sort of um, assisted, council assisted funerals. Um, so when you don't have next of kin or you don't have any cash, 
you can go to your council where where the person died um because that's the important part it's not where you lived it's where you died um and then they can sort you out uh, a funeral uh, without you having to pay for it and have all the stress of it and that's what i do sort of in between uh, other random things like alcohol licensing and taking complaints about dog poo it's sort of a really weird right. um boring and then really interesting job <laughs> like then in, in degrees <laughs> depends what's on who's ringing up <laughs> well there, it's all quite interesting so it's, it is council work how did you end up um getting this job was this something you'd aspired to be um, or well, did it fall in your um basically fell in my lap i mean i'd never aspired yeah. to be anything particularly i've always bounced around different things as you know i've i've done all sorts yeah. of things all sorts of day jobs public sector private sector third sector um and writing and stand up and all sorts of odds and ends to keep myself amused um and i decided to leave um london because i had quite a stressful job and i'd had enough of the commuting and ended up in a seaside town and ended up with the only show in town which was the council there weren't many jobs there and um my job initially was administration just taking the calls and doing forms and things which is the kind of relaxing job I wanted when I left London and then my manager asked me to um, help with some guidance for these funerals that someone else had been working on but they wanted a fresh pair of eyes who didn't know anything about it so I read through it and I helped to make sort of it makes sense to people who'd not read it before and then I did some research on web because um, there's government guidance as well to incorporate into it and then they said, would you like to practice the guidance? And that's when I got sent to someone's house who died many weeks earlier and actually got involved and found that I had, uh, yeah. in air quotes, talent for, for finding out <laughs> stuff about people and, you know, um, looking through things and getting the best clues. And, and yeah, so I got a sort of taste for the job and my manager ended up giving it to me solely to, to look after. Um, yeah. yeah. It's a I think what's interesting, <laughs> it, yeah. So it just it kind of it just happened to, you know, just it wouldn't it wasn't a plan. No. And I think what's really interesting about the book and and why it's a great and it really is a fantastic oh, book. And you've had some amazing quotes already. Um, one of them from you, thank is you. Is that is the one of the best from <laughs> me? Uh, is that um, you know it's a job that people won't realise exists yeah. for a start, and then it's being done by someone <laughs> who. Uh, does it much better than they are required to do it. I mean, maybe does it as well as it should be done, but most people wouldn't, yeah. would probably do this job and not care very much. But you get very, you get very kind of emotional. Well, you get, you get, you know, not, not emotionally, though sometimes emotionally, but you get very involved in wanting to do this job as well as possible so that the people who have died, yeah. often in unfortunate circumstances, obviously, or they wouldn't be coming to the council, yeah. um, you know get the kind of after life care that, that, yeah. that they deserve it's kind of fascinating and it's it is and well oh that you're a fantastic writer as well so all these things combined to mean this you know this this job could easily have gone unremarked but equally what's yeah. what's what I love about the book is that it's a, it's your uh, unsurprisingly as it's a biography an autobiography of your job you are the very much the central character of it and it does sort of revolve around you and it is it is this 
you know, it is this rare thing. I mean, it must be quite rare. You are, you're kind of within the business of this. You are sort of fated as being someone who's very good at it. I think most people just go, yeah, all right, stick them in the ground. <laughs> it can say, be. Ashes to ashes, ashes to ashes, funk to funky, and then <laughs> that's the end of it. Um, it can be due to just so much <laughs> other stuff being on your desk and the resources being yeah. so low and, and getting lower all the time. Obviously, we're getting cut and cut and cut councils. Um, so I can well understand someone also different councils have different levels. I'm in quite a privileged position to be in a council which um, serves an area that is like everywhere. It's got deprivation, pockets of deprivation, but it's generally um, a well-off area and generally the family units are all intact. Um, but so in somewhere like Birmingham City Council, you'd be spending a million a year on these funerals um, compared to my yeah. sort of 30 grand or 50 grand. So. I can maybe concentrate a bit more on the, the individual. But even so, yeah. when I, like today, um, I had two come in at the same time. So even then I try and keep everyone, you know, um, with the best attention and attention to detail I can. Because it's so easy to lose um, a really important thing if you're just doing it perfunctorily and quickly. Like the other week I got um, given someone who, to all intents and purposes, had nobody. It looked like they had nobody. Everyone who knew them at their sheltered accommodation said they had nobody. They put their next of kin down as a guy they knew from the hairdressers. So they themselves sort of <laughs> had inferred through that that they knew nobody. But I went on a Facebook group for that area of town and just said, does anyone know this guy? And someone sent me a link to a post from a year before where one of their relatives was saying, I've lost touch with this person. Does anyone know where they are? And unfortunately, I had to say where they were, which was the mortuary. But at least I found that family member and they were able to, even though they were you know, strange and it was difficult, they were able to just draw a line under that relationship and not live, not knowing if they were alive or dead or where they'd gone, what happened to them. Yeah. And so, you know, each you, you go through a few of your cases um, and, you know, and it's bookended. The book is bookended <laughs> by um, the story of... Uh, you know, a, a very mysterious death yeah. that we that, that is a, a woman who was found um, sort of basically naked and in the sea, and yeah. Um, yeah. nobody could identify her. Uh, but even in the, uh, which is, but is, is an amazing story, and and the, you know, I don't want to ruin it, so we won't talk about it too much. Uh, but every, but every single one is is you trying to piece to, for a lot of them is trying to piece together these. Clues. It yeah. felt to me very much like you know this is a TV drama. It's a brilliant idea for TV drama <laughs> because it's you know because it is each episode is a is a case and you know you're piecing together clues and then you've got yeah. the similar cut. You've got the same cast of the people working in the in the office, but um, but oh, you know, each week yeah. is a is a different death. So it's, it, it you know it, it has this it, 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 there's this detective element to it of trying mm-hmm. to piece together someone's life after after they've after they've died. <laughs> Um, which you know, I think is you sort of in, you know you enjoy the job because yeah, it's sort of yeah. it's emotionally and spiritually fulfilling. Even if even if you're you're a you're doing a lot of overtime, I have to say. So <laughs> you're working on this job is a bit like being a comedian, which you know about anyway. But you're sort of never really off the off, never off, off the, the meter of, when you're when you're a comedian. But it, you know you are you are working part time, but putting a lot of your own effort into this, and 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 it's become a big part of your life, which we'll talk about bit more later but um yeah it is it's sort of it is you know it's it's really fascinating because we get these glimpses as you do into the lives of 
strangers and people you would never meet. I think what's interesting is I think people would have preconceptions about the kind of person who would need oh, a service yeah, of, yeah. you know, I, you've got no money and therefore you know, someone's going to make it. Hey, it's great to know that, <laughs> you know, that the council will, <laughs> will get, make an effort to sort you out if that is unlike, if you're unfortunate enough for that to happen to you. But the, there's a massive variety of people. It's not just oh, yeah. homeless people or you know, you know, extremely poor people. Really, it's it's all it's all kinds of people who you encounter oh, yeah. without ever obviously <laughs> meeting them. You can have a million in the bank, but you know, you've lost touch with everyone, or you've um, you've outlived everyone. You've been ninety nine, and it's no judgment yeah. on you. It's it's not you had no friends. It's just all your friends are dead, and it's timing yeah. and circumstances. And um, yeah, it, it's like if your husband or wife predeceased you, you, you're the one who's on your own. But you did have a relationship, and you wouldn't have been that person if you'd died first. And it's all timing and situation. And yeah, yeah. Like, no judgment on the people at all. And nowadays, given how expensive funerals are and how the cost of living is going up, and you know people can't put things by for a really expensive funeral, it, it's yeah. sort of it's creeping up. The numbers are creeping up. Right. It's not yeah. just very poor people who can't afford a funeral. I'd say I'd struggle to grab up four grand overnight if I had to. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's true. Uh, so, you know, it is, it is, and it, you know, it's great that you go that extra mile to try and find, as you've just displayed there, that you try to find people who will just yeah. attend the funeral or you want to find out something, which you manage to do for, you know, everyone apart from this, this mystery, but yeah. this mystery body, you manage to find some, personal detail and you do very well in even with 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 the completely mysterious one but you know that you find something that that the, the funeral can revolve around or or people yeah. who will come to the funeral so it's a it's a lovely example of humanity coming together often the community comes together on a on a funeral uh, and often you find someone who seems to be friendless has lots of friends or lots of acquaintances who want to be at the funeral so yeah. you know it's a, it's it's a fascinating book in terms of um you know, exploring a subject that we don't like to talk about, which is our own death. No one likes to think about it. That's why no. we have no plans for our own funeral. Because you don't want to think, oh, well, let's sort out what that's going to be. Tempting um, fate if I do that. <laughs> yeah. So, so you know, and it is a very philosophical book. I mean, you start, that you're obviously, uh, you talk a bit about, I mean, I'm a bit, I've always been a bit obsessed with death since I was a kid. Same, Which I yeah. think probably most people, that once you find out about it. But yeah, you, you, you were pretty obsessed as a, as a child, yeah. or at least with the... When you said uh, about was it you know something you planned? It's not something I planned, but it's clearly something that's always meeting me, you know, during my life. And um, it yeah. sort of feels like I've ended up where I should be because just I was always. Uh, I know children generally are very interested in death. You know, they they always talk about uh, you know when they're playing with you, how they're cutting your head off or killing you or disemboweling yeah. you. So they're obsessed with death and. All they watch is cartoon characters being squashed flat and video game characters being exploded. So it's it's there, but it's cartoon death. And the real stuff doesn't touch them until their bunny dies or their granny dies. And gradually you realise, you know, eventually I'm going to die. And But I was particularly interested in the macabre. And, um, you know, I'd always walk past this funeral home on the way to the primary school and say to my mum, do you know they put lipstick on dead people in there? I'm just the kind of more interested than I should be um and I did say say for many years that I wanted to be a funeral director or a mortician or a coroner until I lost interest I wanted to be a truck driver because of long distance Clara in Pigeon Street so my child brain took me away from all that um but it was it's a hard industry to sort of 
get into because you have to really want to do it don't you and I didn't obviously want it that much but to do it in a kind of like this way where I don't have to have a special qualification to you know do something or have a scientific knowledge or anything like that I can just be involved on the human level and having been through so many different situations in my life because my mum was saying you always seem to know someone like I'll say oh I know a guy who does that it's because I've been through all these different jobs and, and things and circles of people and it sort of helps grow your experience. So it's a good job to end up in when you're experienced enough in life to deal with all the different types of people I have to deal with and have all the conversations yeah. I have to have. I don't think 28-year-old me could have had the conversations I've had with people, having to pick up a mobile phone in an evidence bag and turn it on and see if I can dial some numbers and tell someone who picks up that, do you know this person? They've died. You know, it's a really weird sort of, you have to be really open with people. And, yeah. Yeah. So. It, the the death obsession and then and I don't fear it as well I'm fascinated with it and I kind of you know I don't have any problem with it at all it'll be a lovely long rest you know you know when you go to bed at the end of the night and you're just so happy to go to bed I feel like that will be times a million <laughs> the long lying um so I can work with it without any anxiety or fear or yeah I I I I know that exactly because in with the with my operation a couple of years ago yes. when I went under I found a you know obviously lovely it's to die if you if you're on morphine it's quite a nice time to yes, die I right. guess which if you're lucky enough to be you are but I just sort of drifted away and I kind of thought you know then woke up but there was no, there was nothing there and I kind of thought well, that's not that you know if I if that had been the end it wouldn't have been wouldn't have been a trauma it was a lovely yeah. kind of peaceful end and then I wasn't there and that's sort of what I was expecting yeah. and uh, and you wouldn't know about it it's you dead to know about it <laughs> exactly so I think it's it's interesting to think about about death as much as this book does because we it's one of those subjects we don't generally talk about and uh, and I suppose that you know that the job is such a you you know a unique combination of characteristics required yeah. to do it really well which you have is the understanding to be able to talk to each other to a stranger about someone that they that you've got to find out how they know them as people, <laughs> sometimes is the first thing but being able to be empathetic and sympathetic uh but equally i mean it's quite a it, you're not going in and removing the body but you're going in and clearing up the you're going through the houses and trying to look for evidence and trying to find you know their their, their wills and all that sort of stuff but but there's a lot of yeah. disgusting stuff to to deal with right Oh, yeah. I mean, if someone's been very ill in their last weeks and they haven't been able to get to the bathroom, you'll have buckets and and, and, and washing up bowls of, of excrement. You'll have sick. You'll have obviously the, if the person's laying there for a while, you'll have the evidence of that. Um, so and some things like I don't know why the freezer had been turned off in one house and it was full of meat. And um, I had to we, we have to clear out the food because part of the job is um, it's under the Public Health Act. So. Yes. The the dealing with the funeral is part of that Public Health Act. It's really cold, hard legislation that says if you're not being dealt with, you're a public health risk. Um, but the other public health risk is the food in the house. So we have to take that out of the fridge, take any perishables out, put them in the bin, take the bin out. And someone had turned the freezer off many, many weeks before and opening this fridge door. And you know when you get blood in the bottom of a beef or chicken tray... This whole fridge was freezer was just full of blood and just flowed out onto the floor down the wall and the stench. And it's just you have to really get your hands dirty for the whole morning, emptying this house of things and clearing things up and getting rid of maggots and letting the flies out the window. 
and then you have to go back to your desk and do the admin and the paperwork. It's like a really strange gear change. And then you have to do the human bit of making the calls and finding the connection with the human that, you know, they still are. In me. I don't, we don't call them a body. We don't, you know, talk about them in past tense. I'll phone my funeral director and go, have you got David? Has he arrived? You know, because they talk about taking them into our care, which is how we phrase it, so that people are assured that we're not handling them like, you know, coldly and without any humanity. We, we yeah. do talk about them as people and we do go through the, the referral form sort of, sheds light on who they are anyway even before you've done any of your investigation it'll be you know you'll speak to the care home manager and you'll say yeah, marital status because that's needed for the death certificate and they'll go oh married for a week never talked about it <laughs> so you get all these stories that come out from just one question about their situation for the death certificate and yeah so it, it's all these this gauntlet of things from the disgusting to the wonderful and um you just have to yeah, change gear for each one and just sitting listening to endless hold music. That's actually the worst part of the job, actually. <laughs> There's hold music that I have to hear for hours from EDF and HSBC and all the other people. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, there's obviously lots about uh, the nature of death and the surprising nature of death. I kind of, it's, I like it when you talk about, um, you know, not know, you know, no one knows when they're going to die. Obviously, and there's a, there's a, there's a yeah. time when you're driving past the house of a, of a guy that you, that you've, and you've got his ashes in the back of your car, or in yeah. the boot of your car, or in the footwell of your car, and it's just like thinking. That would be weird for him to realise that, like in two weeks' time, <laughs> he'll be he'll be dead, and then in someone else's car. So it's sort of weird for it's yeah. weird to think about your own death, but equally it's it's for you as well. It's 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 this way that your life, their lives impact on your life, and your life impacts on the life of everyone who knows the dead person. It's sort of it's this weird, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's more about life than death. I think, as I say at one yeah. point, because you're picking up the pieces of someone having died but you have to find out how their life went in order to find their friends and family and learn a bit more about them just for the practicality of their eulogy we don't want this uh, 
eulogy that sort of can't do them any justice at all. Um, Mike Celebrant said to me uh, on our first ever funeral together, oh, that was a lot more information than I'm used to. Last week, I just had to say, we think he liked football. And that's just, there's almost no point doing that. It's almost worse than just doing a generic service and, yeah. and leaving that out. So, you, yeah, it ends up being very life-affirming because you find out they were really interesting or they did things. Well, everyone's interesting. Everyone's got a story. And then you find out the people behind them and you get to know them and uh, they sort of end up following you on Twitter and staying in your life. But I'm, I'm still following the railway club, the, the yeah. <laughs> two model railways, and they sometimes tweet at me from an old case. So it just ends up building your own life up as well. And uh, as you go, you sort of collect people like Pokemon, like death Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> and, it's, and it's also interesting that, of course, uh, whilst some of the stories are quite life-affirming and the people lived kind of amazing lives that maybe something yeah. went wrong with while they're sort of on their own, that there are people who've obviously cut themselves off from everyone and 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 uh, and yeah. that have died very lonely, and there are people who may have done very bad yes, things. Things <laughs> that you may that you well, still have to yeah. still have to treat the same as as you would with anyone else. You do. I mean, there's going to be several categories of people, millions of categories, but the main ones are going to be those who outlived people and don't have anyone around, those who deliberately shirk people and said, "I don't want anything to do with the world." Um, those who have done very wrong things and made themselves socially unacceptable and um, yeah that they will mingle in and out and then you just get the the people who just don't have the means their family just don't have the means so that that's a very wide category because that's sorts of different people it's not so you know a, a specific personality type that that's just life yeah. <laughs> money goes all one way in this country at the moment is up so you get a very wide variety of people in that category but yeah you, you do sometimes get people that perhaps no one wants to do their funeral for good reason um but they're, they're dead now so you just have to treat them like everyone else and yeah. do what you can and there'll still be some people that like them yeah. you know the, the other pedophiles are like the, the yeah other there'll be other dodgy people <laughs> who they hung out with who will go so everyone's got friends, even the worst of types of people yeah. have will have friends. Um, and you just have to, it's a job. And I try, and that's how I suppose, that's how I try and balance it out. Because as you said, the emotional involvement can take a toll, you know, and you do need, if you're going to do this as a job, to walk that line of, I can't just leave at five o'clock, someone's died, and that's a big deal. And that for their family, that would be a big deal. So I need to do this on my day off to find their family quickly so that they don't have more trauma and not knowing about that death. But, you know, some people find out two, three weeks later because the coroner's had the person and that can really traumatise them. So you want that sort of balance of not calling it, well, it's five o'clock, I'm going home, I don't care, I'll deal with it on Monday, but also not going too far into that life and that person that you lose something of yourself and you get too involved and invested and subsumed. And so I sort of take that Mary Poppins view of I'm there for the children for the duration of the case and I really care about them visibly, but I fly off my umbrella at the end and they're all out and angry with me, like, how could you let us go? I have to, I have another body. <laughs> so it's just that uh, it's taken me a while, but I'm getting quite good at the balancing act of turning myself on and off, bits of myself compartmentalising, you know. I do, and it's the, you know it is fascinating. And you're you're a pretty rational person, and you're someone who um, has been uh, sort of interested in ghost hunting in a, as a almost like as a ironic. <laughs> yeah. You'll go yeah. on, you'll go to no. haunted houses to sort of giggle with your friends about how crazy it is. 
But within this, <laughs> within this book, and I don't think you, I don't think you've started believing in ghosts. But you, but your your brain is spots kind of coincidences yeah. and little. It feels yeah. like little signs from the dead person, and and you start and, and you start talking to the the dead people. Uh, as yeah. as you go, so you, you say in the yeah. book Strange, I've uh, I have a job where I effectively collect ghosts. But as it goes on, it feels like yeah. you have a relationship with these people that you've never met, and so you are talking to them, and you are dealing with them, and you are spotting supernatural yeah. or you know or, or things that feel like a sign that you've done the right thing or the wrong thing. Yeah, I suppose that is what um, like legacy is, isn't it? It's hanging around after you've gone. And people were being reminded of you, and it's not necessarily a physical thing. It's uh, it's the footprint you leave, and I suppose because I'm getting to know them after they've died, that's all I know of them. And so I'm sort of chatting away to them as I find stuff in their house and go, "Oh, I like that album." Oh yeah, cool, <laughs> and things like that. I'm sort of becoming buddies with them, but when there's no one to answer back, so I fill in the the conversation. I sort of. It's like Louis, ultimate Louis Theroux, you know, they stay quiet and I, <laughs> I do all the talking. And I suppose, I don't know, it's it's the weirdest one-sided relationship and it's a good relationship for me because I'm quite an odd person anyway and I get very nervous in, in social situations. I suppose like you would stand up where you'll say I'm much more comfortable talking to a silent audience who can't yeah. answer back. <laughs> I'm the same. When I did stand up, it was nice to be in a controlled social situation. Afterwards in the bar was when it would be like, oh, God, people are going to speak to me and I'm going to have to say something. And it, oh, no. But um, same with this. I, I don't have to have that close relationship, but I do have that close relationship with the safety of them not really being around anymore. And also not being real anymore because people are quite like when I'm out getting my lunch that day, uh, there'll be loads of people in Sainsbury's who annoy me. I'm just like, oh, idiot, idiot. Which is probably what I would have been saying about them a week ago if they've crossed my path in Sainsbury's and like put their trolley across my path. So now they're idealised by death. You know, they, they've gone. They can't ever be wrong again or annoying again. And, uh, yeah, I can just purely yeah interact yeah. on that level. You're, but, you know, your influence, <laughs> so someone's life will influence you. It sort of does really show that people you've never met as a result yeah. of looking at their lives, you will learn something or you'll, oh, you know, yeah. something will t- chime with you that will affect your life. And even though you've never met in life, that person's yeah. life has still affected yours, which is true, I suppose, of all our lives. You know, there's loads of people who affect yes. our lives without us yeah. even knowing who they are. Or Famous the, people. <laughs> lot, yeah, <laughs> lots of people whose lives we've affected and we'll never, you know, none of these people will know what you've done with yeah. their lives um, or, you know, or, or how they've helped you. So, you know, it's a be- it is this beautiful idea of the circle of life that death is is inevitable yeah. and we should accept it. Uh, I was thinking today. It is the most unifying thing, isn't it? It really? is. We'll all do it. And it's sort of, you know, <laughs> we'll all die. I was thinking today, like there's as we're recording this, the, the story of the guy who tried to kill the queen with the crossbow in uh, December 2021 came out. <laughs> You kind of think, you idiot, yeah. she was going to die anyway. She was only going to live for another year, and now you're going to go yeah. to prison. Murderers should realise this. Everyone's going to die. Just you have to be just patient. bide your time. Just wait it out. <laughs> if you especially you've got a beef with some of these ninety six, just fucking wait it out because <laughs> they're not going to be there for very long. So don't go to prison for life as a result of it. You yeah. didn't even kill her. Didn't even kill her. Um, what a waste! <laughs> what a terrible waste of. Well, we were know, saying this life. the other day about bags for life. We were going um because I cruelly and um, you know when your brain says something and you go naughty brain. Um, I walked past an old lady who had a bag for life, and I was like. Should have just got a normal bag. Because <laughs> as you get older, you realise I've only got two more, you know, 
uh, flats in me or houses in me or you know what I mean like yeah. you suddenly feel that kind of <laughs> closing in well look it's uh, we'll talk a bit about how, about how you got the book published and all this sort of stuff in a sec but it, I just want to say it is it's a there's so much in this um I know you've made Stuart Lee cry which is always a good thing in my opinion <laughs> yeah. uh, so uh and Stuart Stuart's put it as the, his top book of the year even though he read it last year so he's he's put it as yeah. his top book before of the year. it was even out it yeah. was the top so, book of 2022 uh, <laughs> so there there is a you know there's a lot of, of wisdom in there and there's a lot of humanity in there and it, and I think it you know it it's worth thinking about these things I mean you're very prepared for your own death it's yeah. worth having all your documents in an easy to find place put them all in a folder please say, say someone having to kind of knock cupboards back and find uh, find something in the freezer or whatever they're gonna do um but exactly. uh, yeah so how did it how did the you know from a from a point of view you've obviously written before and you were a comedian and you've you know you've had various bits and pieces in magazines and stuff like that um but how mm. did you come to a realize this was a book did someone approach you did you come up with the idea of making a book and how did that come yeah. to, to be published so that big case I heard of the unidentified person, yeah. um, there was a lot of media interest in that. Um, the main reason I publicised it was to, A, get some attendees to the funeral, but also put out feelers to anyone who might have known who they were. Um, but then, obviously, the media found it quite a sort of human interest story, as it is. And um, I was asked if um, this um, publisher could write a book about my story and I said well actually I've I've been writing a sort of diary sort of notes of cases and every time I attend a sort of social gathering and, and people sort of do the traditional so what do you do I would say what I did and people would go oh you know I, I'm interested in that you should write a book about that yeah and so the writer in me was starting to think hmm, maybe I should but I never dreamed to write a book because how do you write a book? I don't even know how I've written a book. I've written a book. I know I have because there's a book. But I don't know how I did that because well, it's baby steps, isn't it? You just sort of write chapters and, and then it grows. But if you asked me to write another book tomorrow, I'd be like, oh, I don't know how to do that. No, sorry. Um, but what happened is, um, as in life, like with all these things, the chances and just you know, luck, um, a friend of mine um, who's uh, quite a sort of, a well-known writer in tv and he um he just randomly approached uh, an agent for me even though i wasn't really writing anything i was just putting notes down and he said um you know you you name name you know in an email um meet you um you need to talk this person's got a book in them and I didn't think they'd ever want to meet me because I didn't even have a book to show them, but they did. They they invited me to their office and I talked them through a few cases and read a few sort of snippets of what I'd written about them. And they were like, yeah, write it and come back. Yeah. So I just sat up after work late into the night, sort of would write between midnight and 5am um, and just built and built. Because I, I had to Google what how long's a book. <laughs> <laughs> it's pathetic how long's a chapter and then i stick my word counter on and when i hit the amount of words for a chapter i go right that's how long that needs to be and i'd refine it down if i garbled loads or i'd have to build it up big time if i hadn't managed to report enough stuff and then i sort of wrote it in order luckily so i didn't have to worry about the kind of things that so i don't know how people write novels you know they have these boards, don't they? Almost like a, a CSI murder board where they have to have their plot line and 
I have to remember things. Yeah. Luckily, it's all factual, so I don't have to remember a plot line or, or that person's, no, they wouldn't have been there. So I've got all of that done for me. I just have to report what I've done and what I've seen and just put it in a format. Yeah. But it wasn't something I ever thought I would do. I genuinely just never thought that would become a book. And it was just for the fact that someone else thought it could be. And then an agent had faith in me and that someone at the publisher, who I eventually now went to, was waiting for me as well to say, well, we'll publish it if you do write it. And it all came together. It did fall off a bit during um, the COVID years and I had to repitch it right. to another agent because my agent couldn't do it, do it anymore. And no one wanted it because they were like, no one wants to read about death. Yeah. Like, well, that's a shame. <laughs> <laughs> massive thing that will happen but and i don't believe you because everyone i speak to goes i'd read that yeah and they're not humoring me their eyes go wide because they like true crime they like murder they like zombies i mean you know you turn on the tv there'll be someone getting killed and so i knew there was something in it and then um my original agent came back to me after covid smoke cleared and and, and it all came good yeah but yeah and I what, no I, what I really like, you're that. very respectful, as, as you are, in, you obviously have to be in the job, um, yeah. though some professionals have not been uh, as respectful as we, we're finding <laughs> out in the news. Uh, but you're very respectful yes. within the book. I presume you've changed names, but but equally, oh, uh, yeah. you've changed your own name. But equally, like, there's a couple of bits where you go, I found something that would give away who this person is or that is their secret that I don't want anyone to know. Yeah. You, even within the, the mysterious case, you know, you... There's there's an element of you thinking maybe someone knows knows her, but you don't want to give away what it is because that they that might yeah. get that person in trouble, which is which is very nice. But how do you get that balance of you know how it's it's obviously quite hard yeah. to get that balance right of, of well, so partly oh, yeah. you've you've given yourself a pseudonym. Is that is that part of the reason why you're not using your own name for writing this book? Yeah, I feel like it'll be the easiest thing in the world for people to do some Googling and find out who I really am. And um, But that wouldn't be a problem because, as you say, I haven't disrespected anyone. I haven't really overstepped my bounds. And also, as you'll remember from the book, fun fact, dead people have no GDPR because we're not a person anymore in terms of legally. Yeah. Like We don't need a bank account. We don't need any of that rubbish. We're free. We're gone. So um, there isn't uh, legally any problem with recalling a story about someone who's died, although I had that feeling you know of is it problematic is it disrespectful I don't want to you know get attention or um, notoriety or money on the back of someone else's stories and and misfortune but ultimately because I was writing it through a prism of trying to a show that these people were really interesting people and great people and that all these people whose um, first impulse is to say oh how sad oh oh that's really tragic is actually no no it's unfortunate but they're not tragic like they've traveled the world they've done this they've done that you know they don't, don't pity them they're, they're they're absolutely not in need of pity so i was trying to present it positively for them and i was trying to get everyone to feel less stressed about legacy and funerals being so important you know that, yeah. that there's this big deal about having this kind of funeral like you failed at life you know i'm trying to make it all positive that this is not, it's not a scorecard. It is not your final exam, your funeral. You're, you're just in a box and a bunch of people are talking about you and you've wasted your whole life stressing about your eulogy that you'll never hear, making sure that you took that promotion and made sure you got married and had two kids because you felt like that would sound good in a eulogy and I don't want to be you know, it's a failure in life. All these things that we worry about and we 
we we live life in fear not quite of death because death's not a problem death's just going to turn the lights off and you won't know but fear of the end and how we're going to be looked at at the end and how we're going to be judged at the end and how many people are going to come to our funeral and cry and look sad and just trying to take the pressure off of that and so I wanted this this just nice book about a subject that sounds horrible death and funerals but dignifies the people and gives them their last chance to be known yeah again and that takes the sting out of death it's it's not a bad thing it's just a thing like a cake or a hat stand it's just <laughs> there and so just um yeah and i thought hopefully the point of view that i'm taking means that it's it's not running the risk of being seen as prurient or no. gossipy or disrespectful you know what i mean um i mean some people might take that view you get you go on twitter every day you can't say anything i was just saying this morning to someone um I keep getting recommended sausage skins by uh, Amazon <laughs> on Instagram ads. <laughs> and I said, I was about to tweet, why do I keep getting recommended sausage skins? But then I just know that people will go, well, some people make sausages. And actually, my dad made sausages, and that's how he died. So you don't want to, <laughs> you never know what people are going to get offended by. <laughs> so all I can say is, in my defense, I absolutely come at this book with love for my people yeah. and um, I'm wanting to make everyone feel better about the end and and just a sort of unifying book and a sort of we're all sort of the same we're all going the same direction time's the only measure as Tom Stoppard said yeah I don't think there's any doubt that that that, that that's how it comes across and um so. yeah and you know like, I think like the, you, there's a, a lady who writes poetry and you've published some of her poetry in the book and that was one of exactly. her ambitions to get published which is just lovely so you know I think it's <laughs> as you say it's very much about life and it's not real I mean it's about death because people have to die for this to work um, but, it, but it's about their life and it's about your life you know it's so much about you I just think it's such a clever book and such a you know a heartfelt book um but oh, there's you. no sort of artifice there. I mean, you're off. You'll occasionally make little asides about the process of writing. So you're not. You know, you're, it's you're 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 an open. You know, you're an open book, and this should open be an, this should be an open book too. But with people reading it, um, best but... eyes on it. <laughs> so it's you know, it's 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 really great. I, I heartily recommend it to to everyone. Uh, do read it. You will enjoy it. You'll learn stuff. You'll you'll think about stuff. There's so there's so much in there. And I'm sure it's going to be a huge success and I'm sure it will be uh, a crime drama. Oh, who do you, you who would you like to play you in if in the in the T V wow. film version of this? Have you got any ideas? You know, once um Radio Four covered one of my cases and um Grace Dent did the voiceover and she <laughs> said she described me and she said my age and how I looked. And she said, um, if this was a TV drama, she'd be played by Anna. F- right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is a good shout, yeah, actually. Okay. Yeah, Anna Freeland. She's I'll, solid. I can play the the dead pedo. That's my that's my uh, <laughs> that's my speciality <laughs> in acting. It'd be easy, an easy job as well. Just, you know, not even the bodies don't even make is it. it just turn up. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I ask everyone, is there an audio book of this coming out, by the way? Is that I don't think so, actually. No. I don't know. There isn't yet, anyway. I don't know if there's any call for it. At the moment, there's ebook and uh, paperback. Cool. So them's your, them's your choices. It's a good read. And if there you... was, I'd like to do it. <laughs> okay, yeah, I think you should definitely you should definitely do it if there is one. Or Anna Friel. If you get Anna Friel, yes. that would be excellent as well. <laughs> um, are, you read, do you, are you a big reader? Are you reading anything at the moment that you'd like to recommend? 
to our listeners? At the moment, I've got an absolute pile of books at the moment. But the one I just um, got done reading is called, it's so, so cliche what I'm reading. It's called Stiff by Mary Roach. Okay. <laughs> and it's about cadavers. Right. And um, it's, uh, again, so similar to what I want. It's, uh, it's a, a subject that most people would probably, you know, veer away from. But actually, she makes it so funny and so interesting. And, um, yeah, so it's all about medical science, what happens to you if you go to medical science and all sorts of different chapters on what happens to you after you die if you're doing something interesting with you. Because I've just um, donated my body to medical science for when I die. So I'm hoping they do something fun with me, like in the book. (laughs) I hope I'm one of the people they shoot with (laughs) testing testing ammo and testing... Wow, yeah, that'd be good. That would be good. good. And have you got a plan for for another? I know you've done lots of jobs, and I know there's stuff in there that I think would make another book. Are you planning another? My previous, yeah, my previous job probably would fill volumes. Um, (laughs) I'm, I'm sort of seeing how this one is received. I know my agent is is sort of keen for me to write again. Yeah, and I feel like once I've got something I can write about, I can write well. But like I said earlier about novelists. I look at them and think, how did you think of all that? Because I didn't have to think of all this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, once someone points me in a direction and says, right, I can do that. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't want to repeat this book because this trick is, is played. You know, the, the thing about this book is, like you said, most people don't know about this job. And that's the initial intrigue is what? That happens? And then when they realise, of course, that happens, it's so obvious, isn't it? Because you don't think about it because you've got a family yeah. And you think, well, yeah, my funeral will be dealt with. But then, yeah, when you do start thinking about that, of course it's a job. But um, so I can't repeat this trick. But I, I'm thinking if I do do anything um, on the back of this, it might be aimed at children. Okay. Um, I know there are children's books about death already out there, but I'll, I'll have a look at what they've tackled because there's always a different angle and there's always a new way of showing presenting. And I could get, um, you know, the, the front cover is beautifully drawn like yes. with the ghost and me holding the hand. Um, the person who drew that, David Rigby, I'd get him to to draw the drawings, and it could be a sort of a lot easier to write as well. Rich, big wink, <laughs> less words, more pictures, yeah, more pictures. But, yeah, it's sort of something not patronising because I remember being a kid and I remember being patronised and I didn't like it. So I liked it when adults talked to me like other adults. Sure. So I'd try and use my same tone of voice and my same. You know, and like you and Stu, you never patronised your audience. You, I learned sort of words from you. And I had to go away and look them up. You know, when you did the true fables with the animals and anthropomorphisation, <laughs> I got that from you guys. Okay, you know? there you go. Well, good. So I want to do that. I want to do that. <laughs> good to know that I, even though we never met, that something from my life. Oh no, we haven't. Uh, look, it's a terrific. It's, <laughs> oh, yeah. it's a terrific book. Oh, I haven't met Evie King. Uh, it's a terrific nah, book. It's called Ashes to Admin. Uh, it's by Evie King. If that is your real name, and um, <laughs> do, but I highly recommend it. Uh, thank you very much, Evie, and I've managed to call you Evie all the way through. I think so. You know, I I win as well. Well done, Rich. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to have a pseudonym as well. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> oh, thanks to Chris Evans and Ben Evans for all their work behind the scenes in keeping us going, especially with this one, which was a little bit traumatic. Uh, in terms of the tech rather like death yes (laughs) (laughs) even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Thanks for listening. RichardHerring.com slash gigs. GoFasterStripe.com for all my books, downloads, all that sort of shizzle. Oh, yeah, I know all the cool words. And um, would love to see you on the, on the Can I Have My Ball Back tour if you can make it. Bye.